0: And welcome to the O6 Sports Podcast. I am your host, Zach the bandit and with me, as always, is the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. What's going on, Cam? I mean, it's just been a crazy week as a fan of the Miami Dolphins and Montreal Canadiens. Ton of news coming in, but it's Super Bowl week, so I am just super excited. This is the most exciting Sunday of the year. Like, no matter what team you cheer for, this is an exciting Sunday. And uh, I mean, I have the following week off smartly, so uh, I'm just looking forward to Sunday, hanging out, watching football, spending it at Burke's bar. It sounds like a good time this weekend. How are you, Burke? I'm doing great, um, doing awesome. You know, love love the midweek kind of when it's been a busy week for me. Uh, busy weekend coming up with Bonspiel on Saturday and a um, and and then Super Bowl Sunday. By the way, super smart taking the whole week off. I expect about a thousand beers to be drank if you need that longer recovery period. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, like an extra long week because family day is the following Monday too. I got like eleven days off or something. So basically, what you're telling me is that there's you're going to be watching a ton of Olympics. Like you're going to be yes. you're going to be pulling the Jake Cowell, to stay up till five a.m. and sleep all day. There might be naps during the day to watch a ton more Olympics. Why wouldn't I? It's the second week of the Olympics. There's a ton of men's hockey. There's a ton of exciting things. There will be lots of Olympics watched and a lot of late nights. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So uh, we, as I said, we, you know, we, we have a special guest coming on uh, just shortly here. Uh, but I just want to talk before we get, uh, talk to her. I just want to talk about um, Miami Dolphins hire Mike McDaniel as their head, head coach. Um You know, from from all intents and purposes, before the hire, you know, we were like, oh, we kind of want Brian Dayball, we kind of want this guy. You know, maybe Harbaugh's coming, and they end up striking a deal with Mike McDaniel. And I'd just like to say that Miami's inclusive because we have now hired another minority coach. So shout out Miami Dolphins after getting sued by Brian Flores. We're going to talk about that very briefly. Uh, But Cam, give me your impression of Mike McDaniel. I've seen videos floating around on Twitter that makes it look awesome. Obviously. He has to show us the game plan in the season, show us the games, show us what his vision is. Um, but for right now, what what's kind of your impression? I mean, I think he put it the best when he was on the plane. It, I better check your pulse if you're not pumped up. Like everything we see from Mike McDaniels, he was my second favorite coming into the thing. Just his schemes, everything he's done with George Kittle, Debo Samuel. Just everything you've seen from him to make Jimmy G look good in an offense, I was super excited. It was Brian Dable first. I was kind of disappointed when the Giants got him. But Mike McDaniel's been at the top of my list ever since. Jim Harbaugh would have been interesting, but I'm super excited about Mike McDaniel and everything you hear about him and everybody he knows in the league. You're just hearing such good things. I couldn't be more excited. Every time this guy talks, I'm listening. Like The way he knows the game, the way he wants to get the best out of his players, Like that interview we had and FaceTiming with Tua on the – playing is just great and he's just he's straight up owning it too he's like i want to get the greatness out of you and that's on me i'm gonna earn that and he knows that yeah he can say all the right things now which he's doing he's doing an unbelievable job at saying all the right things but he even admits he's gonna earn it come the season but right now i couldn't be more excited this is an offensive coach this seems like a great football mind it's coming from that washington that mike shanahan tree the kyle shanahan tree He's another one of those guys, and we've seen how successful these guys are. We have Sean McVay in the Super Bowl this week. So overall, I couldn't be more excited for Mike McDaniel. There's a lot of work to be done in free agency. There's going to be a lot of work done in finding a proper OC for them, but right now I just couldn't be more excited. And every video that the Dolphins are throwing out there, which is awesome, by the way, him walking through the hallways of uh, the Baptist Health Center, pointing out every star, Ricky Williams, all those guys, every little bit, tidbit of Mike McDaniels I'm excited for. I'm ready for the season to start already based. And it's not even over. (laughs) But yeah, as a Miami fan, I'm like, this is a great hire. I feel like we're going to get the most out of Tua. We're going to get the most out of Waddle. And I'm just super excited overall, which is an awesome place after kind of disappointing second last week of the year. Well, no doubt about it. I also think it's good for the franchise to have news outside of the Brian Flores debacle. Um, because you know, we were kind of entrenched in this and I agree on all the points by the way on McDaniel. So I don't really have much to add to that. Um, I mean, as I said, yeah, like it uh, for me, as I said, you got to prove it in games. Um, but I, at least we're going to get, this is the thing I said to a lot of people is, you know, at least we're going to get a true look at Tua and how and who he is and how he plays. We're going to get an actual true representation so that as an organization, they can either move forward or move on. And to me, um, that's really right now where all eyes are going to be on next season. So that's, that's super important. Um, so yeah, so Brian Flores, um, I don't know if we actually talked about the lawsuit last week. I don't remember when it actually came out, but, uh, Brian Flores basically dropped a nuke after he got fired and didn't get hired at a couple places and sued the entire NFL, the, the, the Broncos, the dolphins, the giants, and basically just sued absolutely everybody, um, with claims, uh, that, you know, there was, there was, uh, racism in hiring. there were, you know, discrimination and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, Yeah, it is, it is just, it blew up and counter reports kind of came back, people saying it's not true. Obviously this is a civil suit. This is not by any means a criminal suit or any sort of investigation, but you know, you look and say, okay, so you know, what's, you know, what civil suits are so hard because you got to prove your, you got to prove your accusations, right. And they don't have to prove that they, they don't They don't have to prove anything. The defense doesn't have to prove anything, but you have to be on a shadow of a doubt. If it's a jury trial for the civil suit, have to prove that you're right. And it just doesn't look like Brian Flores is going to be able to do that. And teams are now going on the offense on him. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, even some of the claims like against the dolphins and stuff, it had nothing to do with the class action lawsuit. It's now looking more and more like he doesn't have enough anybody to join him in the class action lawsuit. Like things are just turning into a mess. And, Do I agree the NFL has a lot of issues and they're not following uh, the rule that they brought in to make it more equal? Yeah, I agree. They're not. But what Brian Flores is doing actually might push them backwards and going forward. If you're making false claims and hiring an all-white law firm, which is kind of ironic in this whole thing, like all of this stuff that he's doing now is just turning us backwards. It's not moving forward for everything that they want to do. It's going the opposite way. So to me, it's just an entire mess. Like Everything you've heard from him, and when you're hearing that the Giants are calling up the Dolphins and asking what went on, why he was fired, and you're hearing guys like Minka Fitzpatrick step up and be like, I didn't want to be a part of an organization with him, and you're hearing all this, like nobody's going to hire him because of that. Not because he's black. He has a lot of issues. Yes, the NFL is racist. I'm not arguing that. There is a lot of white owners who have issues, and there definitely is issues in the hiring. But why Brian Flores is not a head coach today is not to do with race. It has to do with the way you handle the Dolphins. And now that you're making false claims, you're blackballed from the league and you actually might be hurting your cause. And and, and you're right. I mean, it's not. And I, I don't think the NFL has really ever made it a secret that there's discrimination and, and racism issues. And that's just, you know, a deep rooted issue in the United States in general. Um, and still over the world today. I mean, there still is not just, you know, whether you're African American, whether you're Caucasian, whatever the case is, they're just, they're just people all over the world, no matter what you are, hate somebody else, which is unfortunate. Um, But it's so amplified in the NFL and, and people will tell you that. um, And the the problem that I have is, is that, you know, you look at this statement that he made, you know, when, um, you know, uh, Houston hired Lovey, whatever, what's his last name? Um, Lovey Smith. Yeah. They hired him and Florida's kind of came out and said, Oh, great job that he got hired. But see, I didn't get hired because we, we, we were on the same page. We have mutual interest and I didn't get hired because I sued the league. And I'm like, um, well, yeah, like that's how it goes. Like that's nothing to do with racism. They hired a black coach. This is, this is the fact that, yeah, I don't the disconnect that I have is is I don't understand how you thinking that you nuking the this is the equivalent of going into your boss's office. If you work at like whatever, at an insurance firm or whatever. You go into your boss's office, you take a giant shit on their desk and you go to another insurance and say I quit and you go to another insurance Sorry. After you're fired, you go and take a shit on their desk, and then you go to another insurance claim. They call your boss for a reference, and he's like, "Yeah, this guy just took a huge shit on my desk." We're not, and then and they don't hire you. It's not discrimination. You don't have a right to a job, like. And I get that, you know. It's like, oh, well, I'm more qualified because I was a head coach before. Okay, but that's not always how it works. Like, you have to fit their scheme, and and, and a whole bunch of other boxes have to be checked. And unfortunately, suing the league. Prior to all these interviews, like, I don't understand why he wouldn't have, like, at least gone through the interview process. Because this is where there's some confusion to me, is, is are you doing this for the cause? And if you're doing this for the cause, then you shouldn't be bitching about how you didn't get hired by the Texans. Like, the, to me, that's that's what bothers me. You're, you're suing all 32 NFL teams. One of those teams being the Houston Texans. Is a team you're currently suing really going to want to hire you? No. Like, that's just – it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. If you're currently suing that team, they're not going to hire you. They're not going to want to hire you. If I go to apply somewhere but I'm suing them, they're not going to want to hire me because I'm currently suing them. Like, it doesn't make sense. Uh, Just an entire mess, and I think he's hurting the cause overall. So, I mean, as we found, he's not a great people person from everything in Miami, and it just continues. Well, and we don't want to – you know, we we don't want to dwell too much on it because we have um, some really kind of – fun stuff to get into um so let's talk to our to our guest who's been waiting um a little bit a little while as promised uh last week uh we have a very special guest on uh today and she is from my hometown which is the beautiful town of woodstock ontario uh she just is returned from the canadian scotties tournament of hearts uh, playing it in it for her first time ever cam should we bring in our special guest this week well cam's having technical difficulty so absolutely we should bring in our, our special guest this week uh <laughs> rachel Stribosch, welcome to the over six sports podcast thanks for being here
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: so i just want to kind of start off real quick here um cam's going to come in and out hopefully he uh He's, um, his internet fixes up, but I just want to ask, uh, first and foremost, um, starting off curling. So at this point, you know, you've, you've basically gone through the ranks. You, you just played in the, the, the Scotty's tournament hurts, uh, representing Ontario. How did you get to this point? Like I'm, I'm a, I'm an, you know, an amateur curler. What was the journey like, you know, growing up in Woodstock and getting to this point in your career?
1: Yeah, I think, um, well, for myself, I started the Little Rocks program. I'm not sure how you quite got into it, if it was that early in life or not. But um, for myself, it started the Little Rocks program. So I was was seven when I started. So you just slide and push the rock as hard as you can type of thing. Um, And then how it works for curling when you're growing up, it's, it's not like a coach makes a team for you. You kind of have to go out and find your own team. Um, so then growing up, you just kind of play with whoever is from your club. And then as you go out and play tournaments, then you meet people. And then that's how you form connections to people from the um, other areas.
0: And is that something that was like difficult? Um, you know, it's basically because there's like got to be some sort of politics. And Cam and I were having this argument, and I'm convinced that. You know, if anybody practices hard enough in this sport that you can at least make the gig. I'm, I'm like if you like, you know, practice five years, 10 years, whatever it is, you can make the gig. But how much of it is it political and how much of it is just hard work and, and just having that that, you know, God given talent?
1: Um, I wouldn't say so much political. It's you just have to find three other people that you actually enjoy spending time with. Um, in the winter, like we spend more time with our curling teams than we do with our families a lot. Um, so you want to find people that you have fun with. Um, and of course being good definitely does help because then you win more and we all know it's more fun to win.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. So then how did you end up finding, so now you've, that you were on team Tippin originally and then now you're playing with team Holly Mm -hmm. Duncan. That's correct.
1: Yeah. So that yeah. that
0: transition um t- tell me a little bit about the, the the team transition. It was not just the restructuring because I know that what uh, was was Julie the Julie was the uh, the spare for your, your team in the Scotties this this past weekend, right?
1: Yeah. So um our team from the Scotties this weekend, the three of us were together, have been together for a few years. Um and then we had a year without Julie. Um, and then we just kind of got talking to Holly. She's from the same area as the other two girls and she wanted to play with more people from her local area. Um, and then we just kind of joined forces with her and that's how we made our team.
0: Hey, there you go. Now let's transition into the, this, this, I'm just going to call it the Scotties. I know there's a difference between provincial Scotties, uh, mm-hmm. as you told me before the show, and and canadian scotties i'm just gonna call it scotties as scotties tournament hearts as uh, right. as most people would would know it so the controversial thing that i want to ask you is you okay. guys got kind of shafted by curl ontario in terms of your selection okay. to the to the tournament and then rachel holman ended up going to going mm-hmm. to the olympics so you guys got in um how mad were you guys that you didn't even really get a chance? And was there like drama with that? Like, were you like legitimately mad that you kind of got passed over like that?
1: Um, you know what? We weren't really mad at all, to be honest with you. Um, it was, we had we had received an email kind of with the, the curl on selection process. And to be honest, we were really shocked, um, that we did still have a chance of being picked because we assumed, like last year, when they had to decide a representative, that they would go based on the previous winner, which was Team Rachel Holman. Um, so we just kind of assumed that it was going to be Rachel Holman, and they were ahead of us in points, so we assumed that it was going to be them. And then to see that we still had a chance, we were shocked, and um, we were pretty excited that we still had a chance. So it's uh, there was no drama there, although... Lots of other people had stuff to say about it, that's for sure.
0: Well, no doubt. I mean, the media kind of took it. That's what the media does. You take it and run, right? You know, you look at this stuff and say, oh, man. And, and, you know, I heard a lot about that, you know, that when when the news kind of came out beforehand. Now, I was pretty confident that, you know, Rachel was going to be going to the Olympics anyway. Uh, But, you know, to to see that was was obviously super cool for you guys. Super cool to have you know people from our area. Anytime you have somebody local, like step aside, Jake Muzzin. We got a new, we got we got a new person around right? here. Uh, uh, that's J. that's more fun to talk <laughs> about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jake, cool. We don't even know who that is anymore. Um, so so let's 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 talk a little bit about the Scotties tournament um, tournament itself. So. Um, Take me through kind of like the way that it worked with COVID this year. Like I know that the quarantine times were shorter. You obviously got some some more team bonding experience this year, probably less so than last year. Uh, but tell me a little bit about that that pre-tournament life and was it was it fun? Because it sounds like to me like it would be really fun to spend a couple days in a hotel just, you know, chilling with your with your friends.
1: Yeah, so it was honestly stressful going because that you had to submit a negative PCR test before even getting on the flight. Um, And so we did that. And then you have to take a flight to Thunder Bay and you have to prove your negative again. So there's a little anxiety over that. And then once you finally get there, um, we were there Wednesday we flew out. We didn't start till Saturday. So we just spent three days in the hotel um you weren't allowed to go pick up anything. Everything was delivered to the hotel. Um so it was definitely I mean some girls had work to do, so the time went by quickly that way. Um but yeah, it's definitely a lot of bonding, a lot of a lot of freshy, a lot of Netflix, Watch some good docu
0: documentaries. So like, can you guys just like um, yeah. <laughs> Would they, so, like, if you guys ask them, like, hey, like, we want you to deliver a 2-4 to the room, would they do that for you?
1: Yeah, there was a guy and he was your, like, delivery guy. And so you just call him up and anything you need that wasn't, like, on Skip the Dishes or a del- another delivery app, he would go get it for you. Um, that being said, we did not drink <laughs> uh, before or after. Or <laughs> well,
0: drink. I can't imagine you guys are <laughs> high-quality high athletes. You, got, you guys yeah, are high yeah. performing athletes. You gotta, <laughs> right. you know, unlike I'm, I'm I'm like Cam and myself, later, who though. are not quite at our at our. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Cam and I are not quite at peak physical shape. So, you know, before curling, that's all we do. And, uh, you know, but like, <laughs> hey, you guys are obviously a lot different. I was just curious because I'm like, I don't know how that works. Like, you know, like, you're chilling, you're like, mm-hmm. hey, I really want some beers right now. You just call the guy. I just love it. you at a beer guy. That's pretty cool. Not that you used it, but. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Going into this tournament, um, obviously, you, you know, first time for yourself. Uh, how were the nerves kind of on that first day when you're pulling up to the rank and you're like, holy crap, I'm about to play um, in the in the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. I'm going to be on TV again. I mean, you've been on TV a, a bunch. Uh, but you're going to be on TV again. Um, you're in front of kind of the entire nation. Like, walk me through how your nerves were on day one there.
1: Um, yeah, I think – uh, we wouldn't have been as nervous if our game wasn't the very first televised game on TSN. We were playing the two-time reigning champion. Um, we hadn't played together in two months, and uh, two of us were seven and eight months pregnant. So we were—it was a lot of lot of things to consider, and uh, so we were definitely nervous, that's for sure, Um the TV thing you kind of get used to. Um, we've been fortunate to be on TV a couple times now, so at least it wasn't our very first time. Um, but yeah, it was. The nerves were there, that's for sure. But then you throw your first shot, and it just somehow all seems to go away, which is, which was good.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just kind of get back to. You kind of just kind of get back to you know the roots, right? If where you've played, as you said earlier, since you were seven. And it kind of mm-hmm. just gets back to, okay, like I'm playing the game I love and um, you just kind of block out the other noise, right? And just, you know, make your shots
1: yeah.
0: um, and go from there. And, oh, yes, congratulations on Baby Strabosh, by the way. That's super exciting to hear. Oh,
1: thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's exciting. But, That's yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so
0: so at what point, are you, is, is, is what point is Baby Strabosh going to be curling? Like, is it like, you know, when he or she turns two, are you strapping <laughs> on like the baby curling shoes and just you know helmet on the ice or what do you think
1: i wish i think i think they say six years old (laughs) see hope hopefully they like it it. it's a good (laughs) sport for parents right i always say you get to sit inside where it's nice and warm there's a bar at every curling club
0: no doubt yeah way better than sitting at like a soccer field when it's pouring rain right
1: absolutely yeah
0: um okay so you guys had a rough start to the tournament started it out zero and four um you know you lose the first one and you're like okay like you know these guys are good at what point you know I don't know if there was panic or like walk me through kind of how the team dynamic was at that time when you're 0 and 4 and I'll get to the second half in a minute
1: mm-hmm. yeah so the first game was a little rough um but we figured it's okay I mean we play those people 10 times and they're probably going to beat us most of the time anyways. Um, so we didn't have extreme high expectations for that first game, although we would have liked it to be a little bit closer. Um, and then losing the next three was definitely rough. Um, when we had lost our third game, the next one, it was kind of like, okay, this is a must-win situation. We figured that we needed to be have a 5-3 and three record to have a shot at playoffs. Um, so we were... I wouldn't say we were down in the dumps. I mean, we were trying to focus and just trying to grasp onto anything that we could. Um, and then, of course, losing that fourth game and realizing you don't really have a shot at playoffs anymore. And it was only day three. It was a little um, disheartening. But then we turned it around.
0: Well, you did. And, you, and then, you know, you went 4-0 the rest of the way. Um you know, which which is great, and you know, other team. What was I think it was was it six and three was the bottom record that you needed to, to get to, which is still impressive. It like super impressive, um, With that many quality. Yeah, teams. I
1: think five and three would
0: have been. Five and three. Uh, well, you know, one, but that's the thing, right? It's it's an inch here. You know, Rachel loses in 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 uh, in Beijing by what? Nothing, right? And that's just that's just curling no, I mean, in a nutshell, right? Game yeah. of inches and game, very, so so close, and but like as you guys. Do you think that, it, like, the last four games, because, you know, the pressure was kind of off, like, did that help you guys down the stretch, or was it just, like, you know, all of a sudden something clicked, and, and you just had that success?
1: Um, I don't, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't quite think it was, maybe it was the lack of pressure, um, but I think we definitely just figured out the ice, we figured out the rocks, Um after our first game I had stopped sweeping Holly's last two and I had moved into the house. So we had kind of switched around positions. So I think it was just a combination of everyone kind of feeling comfortable and yeah, it just took us a little bit too late to figure it out, but that happens.
0: Tell me about, um, so Thunder Bay, I've heard it's a very beautiful town. I'm not sure if you guys stuck around after the whole thing, (laughs) once you kind of were out of the the so-called bubble. Um, but that, that rank, um, Tell me a little bit about, like, somebody who hasn't played on somebody who hasn't played on arena ice. You know, what's really the difference for our listeners who you know are, are kind of club curlers between arena ice and you know, like the Woodstock Curling Club or the Norwich Curling Club or something like that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think um, uh, there's obviously differences. I th- I think the biggest thing, I mean, compared to the Woodstock Center, is cause I haven't really played around a lot of local recently. Um, it's the rocks. It's, I mean, I like to think we have great ice in Woodstock. Um, the arena ice is, uh, definitely faster, but the rocks are just different. Curling Canada has their own set that just travels around to all competitions. They have a couple different sets. Um, so that definitely makes a difference. Um, and then with the ice, it's usually really fast compared to curling club ice in general. Um, you'll hear if you watch curling, like they time a lot from hog to hog. Um, and that kind of gives you an indication of how fast the ice is playing. Um, so definitely in Thunder Bay, it was probably some of the best arena ice I've ever played on. It was just so consistent all throughout and meaning it had nice curl on both sides and the speed was quick and, um, they didn't have much frost issues, maybe because they had no fans, so they didn't really have to worry about That extra heat coming (laughs) off the bodies, yeah, Yeah, it makes a difference. And like it, you wouldn't really think it, but I never really thought that when I first went to an arena. Um, But yeah, the fans make a difference. Even those boards that run along the side with the lights, like that creates. Sometimes people say that might make a difference on the end sheets. Um, So yeah, it's it's just different. Um, The thing with curling clubs is they're working with the equipment they have a lot of the times, right? It's stuff is just old and curling clubs don't have a ton of money. So ice makers are just doing the best that they can.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and Hey, shout out to all the ice makers because it's a pretty thankless job. I mean, you know, if, if the ice is great, it's expected, but when it's bad, you're, you're the fall guy or fall girl for it, right? Like it's a tough, it's a tough exactly.
1: gig. Yeah. People can be pretty mean sometimes with ice makers. So I like to give hey, ours mean, a lot it's, it's of love. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that there's a, a national Give Your Ice Maker Love Day. Uh, but, I mean, it, it is like, I, I'm not sure it's the same like when you're skiing. You know, you're talking about, oh, I really hate the conditions. They didn't groom it right. You know, any sport, people can really, I mean, hockey be like, oh, man, the, the ice is so soft. It's garbage. We can't cut, can't do anything, right, in hockey. So it's kind of across the board like that. Um, what was your coolest experience or memory in throughout this whole tournament in 2022 that you can look back on and say you know besides making the tournament obviously that's a great memory that you'll carry forever but like is there one moment that you were when you were there that you're like man this is super cool
1: um yeah so it wasn't even while we were at the ice but as soon as our we didn't get our jerseys until we actually got to thunder bay um So I think it was the Thursday or the Friday, the box got delivered and then we opened it up and you see the Ontario jackets with the crest on the back and your name. And that was definitely the coolest moment for sure. Um, Just because growing up, you dream of yourself playing at the Scotties and getting that black and red jersey and then finally seeing it with your name on it. That was pretty cool and we'll definitely be framing one up for sure.
0: I was gonna say, do you get to keep the all all the kind of swag? I know that you guys you got like it was a necklace that you guys got for your first Scotties. Is that correct? Uh,
1: It depends. So if you are, they did it this year and last year. If you are appointed by your um, provincial curling association, you do not get the jewelry. If you win your provincial, um, then you get it. Yeah, so that's our motivation to uh, to go back because that jewelry is everything
0: (laughs) no doubt like you see all like all the all the girls out there and then you know they got bracelets or whatever the pins and the in the i forget there's 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 three different ones right there's neck necklaces first and then i think it's bracelets yeah
1: so i'm i think how you get the the necklace and then every time you go you get a diamond each in each um kind of section of the necklace um I think once your necklace is full, then maybe you get a bracelet. I'm not too sure. There is a bracelet, but I'm not sure where it goes in the lineup. And then if you come top three, then you get a ring. And then um, the place you get is the diamond or I think emerald is third. And I can't, and I don't know what second, but for now, we're just going for the necklace. We'll worry about the other stuff. later.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, baby steps, right? (laughs) So uh, definitely. I mean, yeah. The jacket, exactly. frame it. That's pretty cool. Um, out of that tournament, mm-hmm. or just in general in professional curling, uh, who is like the scariest person? And let me just leave this open. Scary isn't like when you walk up to them. Like, I'll give you an example. <laughs> Rachel Holman I bet is like super nice, but she's when she throws a rock, especially when you watch on TV, she just looks super intimidating and intense. Uh, is there anybody that's like, you're kind of like, oh, I don't really want to talk to this person. They're really intense. Uh, and and the second part to that is, who are you like most, you hate playing on the ice because they're just so good.
1: Um, that is a tough one. The scariest person. Definitely Rachel is one of the scariest to play in the sense that she's so good. And I think that her concentration level that makes her look intimidating, I guess, um, that's just what makes her so good. So in that sense, I mean, yeah, her accomplishments speak for itself. So we've lost to her in the Scotty's Provin- – in the provincial finals, and it's really hard to beat her, and it's really hard to get out of Ontario. So I guess in that sense, she's probably the scariest. Is this something that's annoying? Um,
0: like, are you just hoping that she no. retires and like <laughs> just moves on with her life?
1: <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. There'll be a lot of happy people on our Uh
0: Well, I was gambling on the Scotties, by the way. Didn't pay me very well the first four games, but then later on, we guys made up for it, <laughs> so thank you.
1: Well, we actually got an email. we uh, I didn't realize, actually, that you could bet on curling. And after our second game against Galusha in the last end, Um, they had scored, so it didn't really matter for a, uh, the score, like win or lose. And so she's like, oh, we'll just, it'll just be one or whatever. And I said, okay. And then we got an email the next day saying how, um, they, you can bet on curling. So you have to make sure that the scores are accurate. And I was like, oh my God, that was about us. That was for sure our fault. So (laughs) sorry if that was you guys, my husband was actually doing the same he could, I don't know what application he uses, and he's like, should I bet uh, whatever on Homan and & Morris? And I was like, I'm too Dutch to bet, so I'm like, no, don't. But, uh, I'm too Dutch, <laughs> <laughs> the scary thing about curling is that anyone can be anyone, especially in ladies curling. So it's it's scary to bet on. You think you, uh, think you have a sure win, and just kidding. <laughs>
0: No doubt. I, I say I'm not gonna ask this question because I don't want to implicate anything. But I, I like if my wife was playing in a tournament, I would 100 like feel like I have to bet on her every game because <laughs> if I didn't, then it'd be like, why you don't have faith on me? I'd be like, you know what? I really don't think you guys have it today, Rach. I'm gonna bet on Galusha today. So just letting you know. I should ask him. I don't think he's gonna give you an honest answer. Honestly, you're not gonna. You're probably not gonna want to see what what uh, what what that uh, that role looks like throughout that tournament. Yeah, you're right. Um, well, we're. I, I got one more question for you, for, for you, Rachel. And, and it's, it's really just, it's not even really a question. It's just, do, do you have any, oh, I guess it is a question. Do you have advice that you want to get to kind of, to, to young curlers? Like, obviously we're going to, you know, kind of post a show and, you know, on our social medias and, and to our clubs and, and hopefully, you know, people, especially locally, um, you're starting to get more, more youth in what, what kind of advice would you have to to youth curlers who are in the sport and also not in the sport on why you should continue and, and kind of, you know, what you kind of have to do to be successful like yourself. And, and because you're a role model at this point, right? You're on TV enough and especially to local kids, like, unfortunately that's the role you get or fortunately.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think it, well, for kids and everyone in general, if you don't already play curling, I think it's just, such a great social sport um in the sense that you do there's a lot of camar- camaraderie sorry you get to sit around after um have a drink with the team that you just played whether it's hot chocolate when you're in little rocks or hot chocolate with something else when you're older um but i yeah i just think it's such a good social sport and for those who already play i just think it's so important to find people that you actually enjoy playing with um, our coach always says you're not making you're not making enough money on it for a living, so you might as well be having fun, or else there's no point. Um, and I just think, I think it's so true. I've been with the one girl for 14 years, and you know we've we're in each other's weddings, we've gone through all the major life accomplishments together, and that's because of curling. So I'm, I'm really grateful for the sport and all the friendships that it's made, and I think that's probably. Much like all sports, you just, you make great connections with people and they stick with you.
0: Well, that's some solid advice because, you know, my, you know, my quest to, to be a professional curler, I, you know, I, I'm still young. I still got time, you know, I'm of course you do. 28 this year. So if, you know, another 10 years of practice, I could make it at like <laughs> 38, you know, no doubt. Right. I'll just, you know. But I, but now you're saying that I, I, you know I'm not going to make any money, so I'd have to quit my job to be that good. So it just doesn't seem to be a good investment at this point. So I guess <laughs> I'll just stick with Norwich curling for now. No, that's
1: a good plan. What's
0: uh, what's next for you, Rachel? Just in the coming months, obviously the season's kind of winding down. I know baby's baby's coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um, your your dad's retiring from the golf business, so that's not going to be on the you know kind of on the docket for you this summer. But what, what's just what's kind of next? Uh, you know until. I don't know what what other tournaments you got coming up, but what's next?
1: Yeah, so um, since they postponed the Provincials in January, they actually decided to move it to April and still hold them. Um, Obviously, the winner is not going to go to the Canadian Scotties. They're going to get a bye to the Provincials next year. Um, So our team is playing in that in April. Um, We'll have two spares playing for myself and Holly um, since we're both due. Uh, the week that it's being held. Um, so team-wise, that's kind of our next thing. And then we just kind of regroup, enjoy our summer. And then our season usually starts Labor Day weekend. So it's a pretty sh- um, short turnaround time, I'd say. But yeah, definitely definitely going to be a different summer for me. Just having a summer in general and not having the golf course to be at 24-7 will be... Definitely a different lifestyle for our whole family. I think my parents are already kind of feeling that.
0: <laughs> and hopefully some relaxing time kind of with your husband and a and, and new baby. And um, is, your, is your sister excited that uh, she's going to be an aunt?
1: Yes, she's getting there. Natalie doesn't love babies in general. Um, she loves helping change diapers, oddly enough. She'll be the first one to help you clean up. She's a neat freak, um, unlike myself. Um, but she, she's getting there, I think. <laughs> I, I ask her, like, what's in my belly? And she knows it's a baby. So we'll, uh, we'll see once it comes out how excited she is to be around it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, congratulations on, on the upcoming baby. Congratulations on your success uh, at the Scot- Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Uh, we really appre- appreciate you coming on the show with us today. Appreciate your time, and we will catch up with you uh, down the road. Uh, don't worry; once we get a curling connection, we all that—that's just it. We, we, we. Any connection <laughs> we get in a sp- specific sport, we're like, hey, we got a curling talk. You're coming on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Can't wait. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. All
0: right. Well, we'll do it again soon. Thanks again, Rachel. Yeah. Take care. And just once again, I just want to thank uh, thank Rachel Strybosh Team uh, Holly Duncan for Team Ontario for coming uh, on the on the podcast. Cam, great, uh, she, great interview. Um, uh, it's 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 so nice to just get some perspective, especially from somebody local um, on that experience. Because you know we watch on TV and we you know like we you've curled in, in baby bonspiels, I've curled in bonspiels, and and we've we've played, but it's just such a different world talking about. You know, talking about professional curling and getting that first kind of that that hand experience from from Rachel was was just so cool. Yeah, it's good to see that side of it, especially in a year like this when there's more people tuned into curling in general. The Olympics are going on, the Scotties are going on, the Briars going to go on. Like more people are tuned into curling this year, so to get insight from somebody who's currently doing it is definitely cool and uh, something that was really neat to do. No, no doubt about it. So, okay. That was as I said that was awesome. But now we have kind of the other part of our show. So that's kind of that's kind of part number one. Did a little headlines. Uh Rachel came on, we talked about uh, talked about the tournament and her experience. But now to the secondary main event. I believe that there is a game happening on uh, on Sunday. Cam, should we get into this? Yeah, we probably should. I think a couple of listeners might want to hear about it. then let's do it it is the over six sports podcast super bowl preview and prop bet selections uh so we are going to just talk about the game preview some of the angles um uh, and just kind of give our we're going to give our picks on this game and i think uh i think we're still going to I, kim do you want to do uh do you want to do money line or do you want to stick with spread for, for this week for the last game I think we got, we got to touch the spread but I think we got to touch the spread at the end of the show. I mean, I think you'll know based on props and some other things where we're going, but we'll have to do the spread at the end of the show. Okay. Well, we'll save it. We'll we'll save our final picks and and I mean, hey, you you hypothetically could have uh, a money line and the spread and we could do both depending on how it goes. So, we'll we'll have to see. Um but let's, uh, let's get right into it. So this Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday at 6.30 p.m., uh, we have the Cincinnati Bengals and the L.A. Rams in Super Bowl 51? Six? Six. I'm 50, pretty sure it's 56. 56. I think you're right. <laughs> Th- 55 was last year. 56. Okay. There we go. I, I, I don't know Latin very well, honestly. Like, that was one of the things in school, like, doing the Roman numerals. I was not very good at those. So, I get very confused when they're like, it's Super Bowl, LV, whatever. I'm like, I don't know exactly what that is. Um, okay. So, let's just do first impressions here. So, you know, two kind of different roads to the playoffs these teams took. I mean, it didn't really seem to me like, that. you know, like, obviously, the Rams, you know, when they played Tampa, you know, had a bit of a... You know a bit of a scare at the end of the game but they've never really felt like they've been out of control in a game san francisco i guess like you know a couple weeks ago, you could say well they they you know they had to come back from 10 points but i never really felt worried for them um as opposed to kind of like on the bengal side they've had a lot of adversity yeah i mean one stat that stands out to me is the rams through the playoffs here have out first down teams by five per game if you average it out They've out first down teams by five per game. So that means they're controlling the play for the majority of the game. Where you look at the other side, Cincinnati has actually been out down by two first downs per game. So a lot of the game has actually not gone in their favor. And they've snuck out a couple games here. I mean, in overtime last week. I mean, you can just talk before the year. Like As soon as the Rams got Matthew Stafford, they were pegged as Super Bowl favorites or at least one of the top contenders. The Bengals prior to the year had over-under wins of two and a half which is crazy now that they're both here in the Super Bowl. It's kind of an unexpected Super Bowl, but they've kind of had similar paths. They both had the exact same amount of points scored in the uh, regular season, and they both have true number one wide receivers. They both have quarterbacks who can get it done, but at times have been interesting. I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird Super Bowl matchup, and it's kind of scary looking at it because the last six games in the playoffs have all been super close this one basically that means this one should lean to being an absolute blowout so it'll be interesting to see what actually happens in this game but it's been two kind of similar routes but different routes at the same time to get here well and i do think you know the the i look at this part as you said right obviously by the stats rams were in control for most of the time the bengals were not i do think that there is value um not being in control of games now that's not something that is sustainable um, that's what I will say, uh, uh, kind of against the Bengals there. It's not really sustainable. So, you know, you can't, um, you can't play, it's like the leaves, right? You can't play from behind always and expect to score three goals and come back and win. It just doesn't like, it just doesn't bode well for you, right? You go down 24, nothing or whatever the, yeah, it was 21, uh, nothing. Sorry that the Bengals were down. Uh, you, you can't, you, you can't do that. It just, it just doesn't. Like, if you do that too many times, the odds are not going to be in your favor. But on the flip side of that is the fact that they've overcome the terrible, some of the terrible odds and terrible situations that they've put themselves in, um, I think bodes really well because you, you move into this big game, and this is it. This is one game. And you say to yourself, hey, look at all the stuff that we've been through thus far. Look at the deficits we've been down. Look at what we've done Um how, how can we not believe in ourselves here? Like, w- like we believe that we can get this job done. Cause we look at what we've done thus far. And I just think that like, that would be to me on a massive, massive motivation to them. And, and sure, you know, the Rams lost, was it four years ago, five years ago? So, you know, they are out for blood again too, but I don't know. It just, it just, for me, whenever you get that team that just is like, yeah, we've been to hell and back and we've been knocked out. Um, and we're back. Like the LA Kings, when they won the Stanley Cup, they were down o three twice. Like, and they or and, and they were the eighth seed, and they came back and they won all those series. And like, you you, you get into the conference championship, and you're like, yeah, well, we were down o three, so it doesn't really matter what happens from here on out. Same thing with the Bengals. Yeah, the other argument though is was last week their Super Bowl coming back, Joe Burrow doing everything they did to come back in that game. I mean, his stats actually weren't great. I mean, they were. Everyone, there was lots of jokes on Miami Dolphins Twitter that Joe Burrow's stats last week were very similar to Tua's most weeks. So if he's all that great, then why isn't Tua great? But I mean, he didn't have a great week last week, but they ended up coming out with the win, and that's all that matters there. But was last week, is it now a letdown? Like, that's the big thing, is you're hearing a lot of people being like, why is this number four and a half? All the underlying numbers show that the Rams should blow out the Bengals here. Most of the power rankings for a lot of the Sharps have it about three on a neutral field. So... Do you give that point and a half to the Rams because they actually are at home? This is the second straight year after never having it. We now have back-to-back years where we're having a home team in the Super Bowl. So are you giving them that extra point and a half for home field? A lot of that makes sense. There's a reason the Rams are favored, and if you look at the underlying numbers, it makes sense. The Rams. It's interesting though. A lot of their guys haven't been here. Stafford hasn't had a playoff run. A lot of the, or, I mean, a lot of the Rams have been to the Super Bowl recently. But you got Vaughn Miller, who's going to be a be, be a big piece. You're hoping, and Stafford, who's a big piece. Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, they've been here before. They've lost in the Super Bowl, so you have that edge. Is Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Evan McPherson, all these guys and these stars in the making, are they going to be able to get it done in their first Super Bowl is a big question. I mean, you'll see, guys, they only get some guys only get one chance to ever get to this game. So is this the Bengals' only chance to get here? Are they going to take advantage, or is it going to be a letdown after kind of the way they've made it through the playoffs? Well, yeah. And and you're right. I mean, and let's let's kind of get into a little bit more game analysis on this. So, you would look and say that the Titans had 10 sacks. 10 uh, in the 1-0. 10 sacks on Joe Burrow. And can you name who who's who's the main offensive lineman for the Titans? I don't know. I should know cuz he actually had a terrific year, but I'm blanking on his name right now, but he was actually ter- had a terrific year overall. It's been pretty good. Yeah, but completely they're, they, blanking on the name right now. Not Aaron, but he's not Aaron Donald. That's the point I'm trying to make. Not No, no disrespect to that guy, but it's not Aaron Donald. And you don't have. They don't have Jalen Ramsey as a corner, and they don't have um, Von Miller. Uh, back back there as well. Like they don't have those all those pieces, and this is what the Rams have done. The reason that they built the defense like this is for games exactly like this. So you would think Joe Burrow would be running for his life. My thing is, is that I look and say, okay, everybody's like, oh my God, Aaron Donald's gonna absolutely kill. He's gonna kill Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's gonna be dead. He's gonna get sacked twenty times. And I'm like, don't you feel like the 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 Bengals have somewhat of a game plan for this? Like they have to. You'd assume so because Tennessee actually delivers a lot of pressure compared to most teams, and they didn't have a strategy against that. Their O line is horrible. I mean, they're not Dolphins horrible, but they're they're pretty close. Pretty close. And Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, especially you noticed last week they were lining Aaron Donald and Von Miller up on the same side against a against the box. There they did it against the uh, rookie who was in there, the non starter with Werfs out, and it was just ridiculous. They were just destroying that. So could we see something similar to last year's Super Bowl where Pat Mahomes ran around like a crazy person the entire game? i can really see that in this game as well and joe burrow is not pat mahomes when it comes to running joe burrow is a terrific thrower passer but he's not quite as mobile or as elusive as pat mahomes so he could get into a lot of trouble we've seen him take big hits he does it all year he takes a ton of massive hits pff still has him as a guy who takes more sacks than his old line gives up his own line gives up a lot but he also is part of the issue in taking the sacks he doesn't get the ball out quick and he holds onto it too long do you want to be doing that against von miller Leonard floyd And Aaron Donald, no. It's going to get you in a lot of trouble. And the thing is, is Jalen Ramsey is one of the best man-to-man corners in the NFL. If not the best, he's going to be on Jamar Chase. So you don't have that safety valve as much because Jalen Ramsey is going to do a good job, I assume. I don't know how great he is because Jamar Chase looks like one of the top five receivers in the league. But if he can even hold him for a second, that's all you need with Aaron Donald and Von Miller. So we'll see what goes. Well, this is where I'm kind of wondering if this is more of a Joe Mixon game right? Because this kind of reminds me of like what Ian book should have done to Alvin Kamara. Like this is the situation that I'm thinking. Miami basically had pressure the whole time. We're blasting through when they, when the saints played the dolphins, not that we always have talked about dolphins. I just think it's a really good example of, you know, he was trying to force it to the sidelines. He made a couple good throws, but for the most part, he was just trying to not get killed. And we were saying that whole game, why are we not checking it down to Alvin Kamara? Oh, Ellen, we didn't even talk about the Elvin Kamara news, but that's for another time. Uh, but it, it, but I think that point stands here, and they did start to do it at the end of the game to to counter that rush, right? Because if they're overselling, you put you put you know mixing over the top there, and yeah, dump it down to them, and let them get seven yards, and you do that a whole bunch of times, and maybe that opens up, you know, Tyler Boyd. Uh, Jamar Chase, you know, those guys and, and, and makes them, makes the Rams play more on his defense. Cause if the Rams have to play more on his defense, I do think the Bengals have the talent that they need to be successful on offense. But it, as you, like it really does just come down to how are we managing that on the O line? So if you're able to utilize Mixon and, and as I said, keep them honest, then I think that really that should be the recipe for success for the Bengals on offense. Um, to really counteract what the what the Rams are bringing. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, the only person to actually make a hit at the Pro Bowl. Woof. Uh, yeah, no, the issue I have here is the Rams can get a ton of pressure without rushing – with rushing three. They can get a ton of pressure. And then the other big thing is, is Von Miller and Aaron Donald are so good at picking up when it's a screen pass, when it's a touch pass. They'll pull out of that pass rush like that. They're two of the best players in the NFL at that. It's crazy watching so much tape on Aaron Donald and right away he's the first guy he's making even when he lines up on the inside he's making the tackle on a screen pass to the running back and stuff because he can pick it up right like that he's reading the QB he knows what to do he's just honestly I think he's still arguably the best player in the entire NFL and he's just so good at those little things so it's not even like he can scheme it against that I know the Dolphins have a decent defense but they have nobody close to what Aaron Donald. Is and nobody really does. And then when you add Von Miller, who does play outside linebacker and not just edge, again he's really good at reading plays and doing all that. So I don't know if you can go to a full strategy of that. They for sure have to use Mix and more. They have to make LA respect the run because if not, they're in a lot of trouble. Because then if they have to just pass it, it's just full pass rush every time, and then you're in a ton of trouble. Sorry, I get the angle that uh, I get the angle that you're that you're leaning, which is. You know, you're leaning you're in Rams, which is fine. We'll get into that a little bit more. Um, let's kind of – and I'm not necessarily leaning leaning Bengals. I just see how there could be some success there. So give me – so let, let, me, let me start this off. So the Rams' recipe to success 100% is going to be defensively. If you can make life miserable for Joe Burrow and, and all those guys, you have to bracket and double Jamar Chase. I don't think that that is – that's non-negotiable in my opinion because like if not he's in line for a huge game like you you really need to be right on him and then offensively you know the big thing that I think again like the Bengals are going to be on Cooper Cup we know that's going to be the case that's that's not shocking so I think for the Rams again establish establish your run game keep that defense honest but I think really the biggest difference here is going to be turnovers if Matt Stafford starts turning over the ball left right and center and he throws two picks uh, one pick I think he can get away with, but if you start, start, you know, he's had games where he's had two picks, three picks, you know, making bad throws, forcing it into spots that he shouldn't. Um, yeah, they didn't work out that well for Mahomes last week either. So, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you're keeping the turnovers down to a minimum because as we saw, uh, two weeks ago, the Bengals can make you pay when you, when you commit those turnovers. So if they can keep that clean on offense, and I don't think they really have to do that much. Right. Like, let's just say that, you know, on this side, that if this defense is able to neutralize um, Joe Burrow or at least slow, slow them down a little bit where, you know, let's say the Bengals only score 14 points. You got to score 15, 16 points. Right. You got to score 17 points, two touchdowns and, and, and a field goal. So I just think it's super important for them to limit those turnovers and then just be really, really patient on offense as obviously the game script will, will depict how patient you have to be. But just overall as a game plan, be patient because you know that you have weapons. Like you know that you can air it down. You know that you can do a two-minute drill extremely fast. You've proven it this playoffs. So just don't force that issue and take care of the ball. And I think they're going to have success. Yeah, and it's not only on Stafford. Cam Akers had two horrible fumbles last or two weeks ago, which really hurt them. It gave them. He had one on the one, which would have basically iced the game at the start of or the end of the second or first half. And then he had one late that gave the Bucks a chance to come back and tie the game. And those are the things that just can't happen. It's not all in Stafford. If Stafford ends up throwing the pick sixes, like he had what four straight weeks in the season there where he threw a pick six, he can't do that again. It can't happen. But uh, again, I still think, I think there's a really good chance. We see a lot of Sonny Michelle because they just trust him with the ball. They trust him blocking over Cam Akers. I think Cam Akers is going to have a short leash after the two fumbles last time around. So again, and the thing is, is the Bengals, I don't, know about their defense either. I don't know if I trust them. Like Henderson has a ton of sacks this year and he's been able to get pressure, but this Rams aligns pretty good too. So I don't really know. I just to me there's a pretty easy path for seeing the Rams win here. And if they control the ball, I don't see the easy path for the Bengals to win this game. So let's flip the script then. Um what do what what do the Bengals need to be successful? To me, the Bengals, to be successful, have to establish the run early and often. And I think you just have to look away from Chase. Chase is going to be covered by Ramsey all game. you got to look to Higgins. you got to look to Boyd. And that's the way you're going to have to do things. you got to make a ton of quick passes. It's going to be a lot of tip and dunk because you can't hold on to the ball too long. You hold on to the ball too long, you're in trouble. Not only just from getting sacked, is Aaron Donald and Von Miller great at strip sacks. So the Bengals are going to have to move the ball quickly and establish the run is huge. You can't just have these guys going full pass rush every play. Yeah, and I think, as I said, I think the big thing is, you know, I think it's really important for them. Again, similar to what I said before, just with, with doubling Jamar Chase, you need to shut down Cooper Cup. There's no option about it. And when I say shut down, I mean limiting to him to one touchdown for like 90 yards. Like this whole two touchdown, three touchdown garbage, like you can't, if he gets two touchdowns plus, they're losing this game. In my opinion, like, I just think it just can't happen. So yeah, they've got other, you know, obviously the Rams have lots of weapons. That's how they got here. But you know that their boy is Cooper cup. Matt Stafford is most comfortable throwing it to Cooper cup. If you get him to throw to some other guys that he's not, you know, not, not the other, you know, other, other receivers or whatever. If he dunks it down to not that that's bad. It's just his most comfortable target is, is cup. So make him throw to other places, not to his boy and that will then as i as the opposite to this is give you a chance to get those turnovers which i think you 100% need and you need to be super aggressive on your on your tackles going for a strip every play like you need to get some of these turnovers because i think you're going to need the possessions frankly like you're just you're going to need those t- possessions and give your offense a chance um, offensively you just have to as i said you got to make sure that Joe Burrow's not getting killed that's not, that's number one thing because if he gets sacked say five times in the first half i mean I know that he got sacked three weeks ago, t- 10 times, but you can't, it, it's just, it's just completely unsustainable. There is a path for sure. You beat the Kansas city Chiefs, So I think we're the favorites to win the super bowl. No doubt in my mind, there's no doubt about it. We said when the bills play the chiefs, that one of those, that was the super bowl. And basically whoever won that game was going to win it all and it didn't turn out that way. Um, this is the beautiful thing about the NFL this year, as much as it's been infuriating, betting it, um, it's one of those things that it's just made for amazing drama. It's made for amazing games, and I, I, I have full expectations that, that this one's going to be good. I hope it's not a blowout because I hate blowout Super Bowls. They're so boring. Yeah, and I mean there is a there is a thing here, but again, the Rams' D to me is the big thing over the Chiefs. The Rams' D is just much better than the Chiefs in my opinion and the way they can get pass rush and stuff against this battle line is a big difference maker compared to the chiefs chiefs just don't get the same amount of pressure even with their different looks that uh the rams get basically just rushing three so that's a big difference against the battle line and the fact that we've seen burrow get sacked a ton which coach do you have more confidence in sean mcveigh or uh zach taylor's the other side right yeah, Zach Taylor, I have way more confidence in McVay, and that's saying a lot because I don't have that much confidence in McVay. But I was ready to fade Taylor all playoffs because I just don't think he's a great coach. But he's got the job done. I mean, the Bengals are proving everyone wrong all year. There was a ton of money on them for under two and a half wins this year, and here they are in the Super Bowl. So they could prove me wrong again, but I feel more confident in Sean McVay. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to give an opinion. I just, I mean, honestly, like, it's, it's to me, you have two coaches that are not maybe the highest pedigree of coaches but at the end of the day they both made the super bowl over coaches that have been there and have won in belichick andy reed um, buddy in tampa whatever his name is i forget it's not bruce arians Arians, that's what it is um yeah all all these guys who have you know high pedigree and have won these guys got past them so you know that that's that's the only thing that i'll say so maybe these guys resume i mean the resume has definitely gotten better But we'll see how they perform on the highest stage. Okay, so we that so we're gonna make our kind of last summary and our picks. Cam wants to do it at the end. That's fine. I'll do it at the end. No worries. So we're gonna do some props. Um, We're gonna do a couple that are kind of nice, like you know, nice props. Just whatever that are like you know, low, like low, uh, you know, like low dollar props, like minus 100, minus 150, plus 100. You know. Just some some normal props that you can put a few units on. Uh, then we're gonna do some stretch props and there's a couple of fun props that I want to talk about. I know you got your own list, so uh, we'll get into it uh, as we did last year and and we'll do a you know brief little explanation on why we think it's gonna go. And hey, you can always make your own prop bets. I mean, this is the best This is the best weekend for props. There's just so many um, when it t- just comes to Super Bowl specials or game props or whatever the case is. Everybody's got different odds. Um, so it's super, super fun. Cam, kick it off. What's your first prop? So my favorite bet of this weekend, and it's kind of a different one, is the second half to outscore the first half. So the second half to be the highest scoring half. The crazy stat around this is it's 15-5-1 in the last 21 Super Bowls, which Ooh. is crazy. Super Bowls tend to start off very slow, so I'm feeling pretty good about this one. This is my favorite bet, and you're getting it at minus 115, so you're paying 115 bucks to make 100, but with, the, again, 15, 5, and 1 in the last 21 years, I love that bet. That's my favorite bet of the weekend. No, that's, a, that's actually a great one. I really like that. Um, I'm going to start mine off with an even bet. Now, mine's not as exciting as yours. Mine are actually kind of really boring. I, it's just kind of where I see some value um, with a high probability that I think it could happen. Um, one of the ones that I like is under three and a half Bengals players to have a rushing attempt, which seems like a ridiculous prop. But hey, like it's, it's under three and a half. So four people would have to have a rushing attempt. So one's going to be Burrow, maybe. One's obviously going to be mixing. You get one for a backup. And then there's the third one. I just don't think that fits into the game plan. I don't like, I just like you're going to be giving it to your best players. I don't think you're bringing in a trick play where another guy's going to have a rush. I kind of like the under, the under three and a half and it pays even money. So even, even money for under three and a half, when I don't think it's in the game plan to me, makes a lot of sense, especially if the Rams get on the board uh, early, and they get up big, they're not going to be rushing the ball nearly at all. So, yeah. I, I don't mind that at even money. Yeah, you see, you know Burrow and Mixon are locks to get a rushing attempt. I know there might not be a draw for Burrow, but he's going to rush the ball at some point and get a rushing attempt. So, what you're betting on is basically, because I have used Chase in the run game a bit, is that Chase or Perrine, Semjay Perrine, aren't going to get. One of the two of them isn't going to get a rushing attempt. Yeah. Pretty much. I think it's and I, think, so again, I think it's lightly. Most of mine are kind of all over. This is just kind of a pure value one because, again, the QB sneak, the rush at the goal line is so big. It's under one and a half yards for the shortest touchdown in the game. Odds aren't as good, minus 130, so you're paying out for it. But, again, like you see the pass interference in the end zone all the time, so they're right on the one-yard line. They're going to get the ball in, so under one and a half yards is the shortest touchdown. Like under at one and a half is the shortest. I just really like that. And the odds aren't great, but if you parlay with that with something else, it turns out pretty good. So that's my next one. I yeah. No, I, I I like that one. Um my next one again, and this one's a little bit lower. This is minus one fifty-five. Uh, the LA Rams to record the most first downs. Um, again, like we just talked about this a little bit earlier. If you look at, as the differential that the Rams have had the most first downs and the Bengals have had the least. So yeah they're negative negative two per game where the Rams are plus five per game right. So to me this is at minus 155 I actually think that it's probably too high of an odd like you know you throw 20 bucks down on that you get uh, 15 back I believe so um that doesn't seem to be a bad investment and if this game script goes that way then yeah like I think I think that should that is, that's to me it should be a lock. it, re- it really should because I just think if you are the Bengals and you are scoring points, um, you're, you're, they're going to whip it down the field and have big plays, and that's what they're going to have to do. So, yep, Rams, most first downs, minus 155, baby. So I'll give you a plus odd here one finally. Plus 105, under 10.5 penalties accepted. The Bengals and Rams rank as the second and third teams in least amount of penalties taken. They both average just under 4.5. So at 10.5 accepted penalties, that seems like really pretty good number and you're going to give me plus odds to stay under that under 10 and a half at plus one Oh five. I like that bet a lot. That is nice. That's, I mean, I, I surprised that that's plus money to be honest, but I mean, the bookies know what they're doing. If anything that props has taught me is the bookies, uh, they, they know what they're doing. Now, how many times it's been right on the line this year on terms of props is actually just insane. Uh, I got two layups. I mean, we're obviously doing over two and a half field goals, obviously i don't even know what the odds are but it's gonna be what minus 110 or something like that like that that's just what it's gonna be um i can't find it at the moment i don't know if you have it cam but i had it written down i just couldn't find the odds i'm sure it's gonna be somewhere uh matt stafford over matt stafford and joe burrow over one and a half uh sorry over 0.5 interceptions I think they both are going to throw an interception in this game. Um, I was even tempted to, and I think this might've been a bet builder. That's why I couldn't find it, but I haven't done it. I don't have the odds, Uh, but you actually could do, you know, three total interceptions or, you know, over two and a half interceptions in this game. Uh, I think that Stafford's going to throw one. And I think that Burrow's definitely going to throw one. He may throw two. So I'm really comfortable with both Burrow and Stafford over, 0.5 interceptions and again I don't have the odds so I apologize I'm really comfortable with both of those um and I you know depending on what the odds are on that bet builder I would be tempted to go to over two and a half and the reason again for that would be if the Bengals are down late game either way if either team is down late game there's going to be some bombs that are going to be thrown and I think they both will have a natural kind of interception where it just happens during the game and so you'll have a late game one and to get the, to get that over. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I think there's going to be a couple interceptions and some bad throws. Ramsey's always a chance to pick one off. So I don't mind that at all. One that's even odds both ways, which kind of shocks me at minus one Oh five is team to have the longest field goal. And the Bengals at minus one Oh five seems like a really good bet for me to have the longest field goal over the Rams. Evan McPherson, we've seen everything from this kid. This kid just looks like a stud. He looks like the next next Justin Tucker. Matt Gay has looked kind of injured. He hasn't looked as great. He's still been solid. He hasn't cost them anything, but he hasn't looked as solid. So I don't know if they're going to make him kick a 50-yarder, where the Bengals have no issue with McPherson kicking a 50-yarder. So minus 105 for the Bengals to have the longest field goal. I'm stacking on to you on that one because this was my next one. Evan McPherson to have a successful 50-plus-yard field goal attempt. So I don't know why they added attempt in there, but because – That's saying that it would possibly miss. But successful field goal from 50-plus is plus 130. You're giving me plus 130 for McPherson to hit a 50-yarder? Come on. Like, this is, again, not that I'm locking every single prop, but this guy basically every game in this playoffs has hit one from 50-plus. Yeah, I actually almost like that bet a lot longer. If you're just going to go bangles for the longest field goal, just go McPherson over. Those odds are way better. Plus 130? I love it. Uh, that one, that one to me just stood out. I'm like, how can you not? Like, the only way that he's not kicking a 50-plus field goal is if the Bengals are running over the Rams. That's it. Like, if they're having a lot of pen, like if their their penetration's good and they're getting the ball downfield and moving it, like it's not gonna hit. But if this is staying within this game, especially early in the game, like would it shock me for them to get to the 40-yard line, fizzle out and have to kick a 52? No. And he's I just think hit there's it. a good chance. They can move down the field okay, and then when they get a little tighter field down, and then you get stuck with a couple sacks from Donald or Miller there, and then you're pushed back a little bit. You're not going to try and go for it on 4th and twenty, so you kick a longer field goal. Yep. So I really like that one. That that was one of my uh, – that's a, that's a fun one. That, that's the last like boring one that I have. I have a couple stretch ones too, and then I have a couple uh, specials. Yeah, I don't have any big specials or big ones. I just got a couple more random – Like, a lot of the ones I've gone are a little more exotic. You wouldn't do a lot of these in a regular game. But the Super Bowl, you basically try and bet on everything. Cooper Cup, longest reception over 28.5 yards is minus 110. I just think he's going to find himself downfield a bit. This Bengals secondary I don't 100% trust in. Cooper Cup just gets open. Matt Stafford's so good at those intermediate throws. Short throws, he sometimes is bad. Deep throws, he sometimes is bad. But he's one of the he's arguably the best passer on the intermediate throws. So a 30 yard throw to Cooper Cup, I think it's going to happen. And also, Cooper Cup's so good after the catch. So if he catches one that's 15 yards, he can get another 15 yards, no problem. So over 28 and a half is Cooper Cup's longest reception. That's good. I'm surprised that, that it's really that low, honestly. Because like he he is huge huge gains um i'm actually again this is kind of a piggyback on that not really but it does it does it's a little bit nicer i'm just going up a little bit higher but um mvp winner to not be a qb so here's the here's my rationale with this by the way uh it's plus 260. so the odds aren't amazing but there's only two qbs on the field so my thought with this is if the Rams win and Cooper Cup has has a game, like he has 250 yards, two touchdowns, something like that, he's going to win MVP. And I think part of it is, is because of his season success. Like I think that bias will play into this, and they will say, man, this Cooper Cup guy, unbelievable. Um, you know, he should he should win the MVP this year anyway overall, and they'll stack on and give him the MVP for this game. The caveat to this is that if, you know, if the Rams win, and and they lock Cooper Cup up, and it's a it's a short game. They're just going to give it to Matt Stafford. And if the Bengals win, Joe Burrow's getting it no matter what. So like it, it is it is a bit riskier. But I just look at it and say, okay. So if the Rams, as we've kind of talked about, execute their game plan well, then I see that as a definitely a possibility. Or you look at it and say, you know, has, when was the last time a defensive player won MVP? That's exactly where I'm going with my next prop, so I'll touch on your thing there a little bit and move into my next prop. The last time a defensive player won the MVP was the Denver Broncos when they won it. The MVP that year, Vaughn Miller. So that was the last time. So I'm not giving it to Vaughn Miller, but plus 1,500 for Aaron Donald. If we see a game where this stays a little low scoring, the Rams' D is unbelievable. Matthew Stafford throws those picks, so that takes him out of getting the MVP similar to the way Peyton Manning did it. They were solid. Defense played really well. They're not going to give it to Von Miller again. He's won it. Everything Aaron Donald's done for this team, they're going to give the MVP to Aaron Donald. I think there's a way that this could happen. And at plus fifteen hundred, I'm probably going to throw half a unit on it. Throw five bucks on it. Why not? But that's that's again. I'm surprised it's only. I know that the defensive player hasn't won in a while, but plus fifteen hundred for the like for Aaron Donald's like. I mean, the guy's a stud. The guy the guy probably should like he honestly probably has a chance to win MVP almost every year just overall like in the league but it, obviously there's bias to QB and all that kind of stuff so I get I get that like that makes that makes sense um well should I do a bi- should I do a big one should I should I do like a plus 1200 something like that yeah you gotta throw out a couple uh, more Dgen props for the Okay, yeah, I got okay. Here, here, you wanna you wanna fund a fun D Gen prop that I'm interested in. Odell Beckham Jr. one plus passing touchdowns, plus fourteen hundred. Like, in the Super Bowl, we've seen a lot of like funky little plays, Philly special, whatever the case is. Is there a world where the Rams start having fun? They're up a couple scores and they just hand it off to Odell and he tosses a TD to. Whoever to a full like to, to to a fullback to a you know to cup in the middle or like does the Philly special to because these guys like to put on a show, right? I know they want to win the game, but like the Super Bowl is the biggest stage. You don't want to have some fun with it. And I'm like f- plus 1,400. I mean, he's I kind of like that one. Yeah, Sean drop. McVay's shown that. Yeah, Sean McVay shown he's not a co- he's not a coach who's scared of trying things that are different, especially in a game when it doesn't matter what you show now. There's not another game this season, so you can bring out all the trick plays, you can bring out everything you have, throw the kitchen sink at it because it's the last game of the year. So we know Sean McVay's is not scared of doing something like that. We've seen Beckham throw the ball a bit before, so yeah, oh yeah, all right. You got, My last kind of just yeah, normal prop here is Cam Akers under 64 and a half. This is minus 110. I just think they're going to bring Sonny Michelle in. I don't think Akers is going to get the same rope he had last time. 64-and-a-half is basically you're going to get a lot of the reps still. I just think they're going to run with Sonny Michelle more here. Cam Akers almost cost them the game last or two weeks ago, and they're not going to give that a chance again. Trust the veteran with the ball. He's definitely not as explosive, but maybe they use Akers in the past game more. But under 64-and-a-half rush yards. I just don't like him rushing the ball a ton after the fumbles. Yeah. I mean if he gets pulled. Oh by the way, my odds, by the way, were so wrong. Odell Beckham would throw one passing touchdown as plus four thousand. I read that completely wrong. Yeah, that seems more likely. I was like, plus fourteen hundred doesn't sound that good. Plus four thousand. Sorry. Plus four thousand. That's way more that's 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 much better. Yeah, I was thinking the other way didn't sound that good. Yeah, no. Um the the only other I'll give you one more DJ one because I've given you kind of some some boring not boring ones but just normal ones um, Joe Mixon 150 plus rush yards is paying plus twenty two hundred Is there a world where that could happen? It's unlikely, but is it a possibility? Plus twenty two hundred, a couple bucks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean anything's possible in one game, so you never know. <laughs> you don't like that one that much, but I just think that like legit, one of the things that you said was his Bengals got to get the run game going, and I think if they do, that obviously Mixon's going to be the guy, and so if they can do something with it, and he gets you know let's say he pops off for a 60 yarder, well he's to get 90 more on, I don't know, 16 touches, 17 touches, no problem, average six yards, come on, the guy's the guy's a beast. Yeah, so the only other bets I really have or I've touched on or looked into are first touchdown bets. So I don't know if you've gone that way as well with any of yours, but there's a couple I like here. So I'll just touch on one for each team that I'm really liking. I mean, I'm stealing this one from the SGP guys, but Ben Skarenik, we've seen it a couple times where he's been open. This actually doesn't make sense to go first touchdown with him because it's the same odds as any time, but plus 4,000 for him. I like that. If you do just want to go a first touchdown – with a little better odds. Um, yeah, I'd probably go something like Tyler Higby plus 750. I think they're going to use him more. Looking at the Bengals side, CG CJ Uzumar, Uzuma, however you want to say it, plus 900 for first touchdown. I like it. I uh, By the way, he's plus 35,000 to be Super Bowl MVP, just so you know.
1: Yeah, I, I'm still I, not
0: doing it. <laughs> I, I, I could throw a buck on that, Mike Weir style. Um. Okay. So I got that. That's really all the football props that I have. Like, there, there's some other ones, and I'll tweet them out kind of throughout the week. Like, I'll, I'll try to be a little bit more active, and I gotta compile a list and, um, you know, a more extensive list uh, as we wind the show down here. Uh, but uh, one of my special ones that I like halftime show, Snoop Dog to smoke on stage. Yes, is even money. How is that not like minus 500? Well, I. I don't know, but it's 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 in California, and it's legal to smoke dope on stage. And you're telling me that at this, like, he's not gonna do it? Come on. Yeah, no, that that, that seems like an e- too too easy money there, even money for that. Yeah, all day. No, no, is minus one thirty. And I, I'm like, I I've seen this. Like, this guy's like smoked everywhere. I'm pretty sure yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. Really? Are you going to get mad at Snoop? Especially like, you have five pe- you have five people on stage. He's not going to be singing the entire time, so you don't think there's going to be a joint out there at all? Yeah, I know. Anyway, that's that's one of my... Do you have any do you have any specials like that that you got? Oh, I mean, just all the fun ones. I mean, everyone will get on the bingo cards or the prop sheets for the thing. It's super fun. We got Mickey Guyton doing the national anthem over under... If you do want to go over, do it now. It'll go up huge when we hear the practice thing. It always does. It always starts at a minute 35 early in the week for some reason. If you do think it's going to be over, bet that now, because I bet you by game time we will be at, like, the two-minute mark from everything I'm hearing and reading. So if you want to go over, bet it now. If you're going to bet it at game time, go under. That's always a fun one. I mean, there's some really weird – props being thrown around that Tupac's going to have a hologram there. You've seen that on a couple sites or there's even sites that have him. Is Tupac going to show up? Is he going to finally come (laughs) out of his hiding? Because you know that's a conspiracy so there's a bunch of things happening when it's in California, in LA with the guys they have on stage, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop, all this stuff. Like There's a lot of Tupac talk so those are kind of fun ones to watch. I mean there's a ton of fun things for even non-football fans around the Super Bowl. All this halftime show, the pregame stuff coin toss the Gatorade these are all fun things to watch and pay attention to and and I, I don't have i haven't decided i'm still considering my Gatorade color i always bet that i always bet um coin toss heads or tails um usually i bet heads that's just how i that's just how i roll um i am i am tempted there there actually on uh, i'm just looking at i'm looking at a couple of sites but bodog has commercials first commercial first beer commercial to play uh budweiser's plus 170 Pretty good. That's pretty good value because they're usually like kick it off like right away. And that's like the because that's the one people always like want. Like Budweiser always says the best commercial um, from beer companies. So they're plus 170. Yeah, the other one that I thought was quite interesting was commercials with dogs in it. Was the over-under was one and a half. (laughs) Oh, you gotta take the over. Right? Yeah. So there's just so much fun around the Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to. Just all these props betting probably more money than I should. Hopefully making a lot of money though. So, but it's it's just a fun event. It's uh, what we look forward to all year. No matter who your team is, it's an event. It's a fun time. Oh yeah, and yeah, Super Bowl Fifty Six. I mean, looking forward to having so many more of these. And um, you know, this is the second kind of Super Bowl one that you and I've have, have done. And by the way, we only talk about serious props on this show, so we're dead serious about all every single one that we've talked about. Um, all right, let's. Uh, and as I said, you know, on Twitter at Zach over six at C Charlton at Over Six Sports, we'll be uh, we'll be active on it. We'll tweet out some uh, some different props as as they come across. Um, but obviously, you know, make your own make your own prop choices and, and go through. Honestly, this is the best weekend for it. And if we haven't mentioned one that you like, feel free to tweet at us as well. Um, you know, give us the heads up. We like to hear of stuff that we've missed. So if you if you got one that you think's a fire prop, fire it up at us and. Uh, We're happy to retweet that and and put some action on it. All right, Cam. So we've got, uh, we've got the, is the line still four and a half right now? Or is it, is it down to four? I'm seeing it at four and a half on the sites that I've been checking. Okay. So we're at four and a half still. Um, Give me your, give me your, uh, give me your lock. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious that I'm on the Rams here. four and a half for the Rams. I've been pretty low on these Bengals all season. I just don't think they're gonna get it done here. I just think their coaching's not good enough. This offensive line's gonna get exposed even worse than it was in Tennessee. And I'm actually quite scared that this could be a blow game that I don't really want to watch. But luckily there'll be lots of cold beer We're at Berks Bar. So This is this is very true. Um, I'm taking the Bengals plus four and a half. And I now part of it is, is it's a contrarian angle. Where I'm like, everybody's saying, "Oh, the Rams got this. The Rams got this." There's a ton of money on the Rams, and I'm like, "Man, this has kind of been the season of opposites. Maybe Joe Burrow makes history, and and, and wins this Super Bowl. Um, like I like because I don't know. Maybe may, maybe it happens. Um, and I just I, I want to be on the right side of that. I do think that there's a game plan there for it, a hundred percent." but a lot of it is this contrarian angle. Um, I also would be okay with putting money on Rams money line as well, because I could win both of those bets, but it, you know, minus 200 or whatever it is. Like it's not, uh, it's yeah, not. A lot obviously- of it.
1: if,
0: if you're on just the Rams winning it, there's a lot of better bets, time of possession and stuff like that, that are like minus minus one twenty rather than betting money line. Just if you feel confident about betting the money line, look at some of those other ones that basically are completely game script that are a little better money. I also like to live bet games too. So, like if the Bengals say, you know, scored a touchdown first and the line creeped down a little bit to like minus 110 or something, I don't mind hitting those up. I've been really successful at that. Um, but yeah, so Bengals uh, plus four and a half. And then I also will so- somehow try to fan angle my way into doubling that and, you know, getting on both teams. So I'm happy either way somehow. But um, so the you're other hoping, thing, uh, Rams win by a field goal. <laughs> yes, that would be excellent. <laughs> So I'm actually – so I, I could actually bet uh, Rams by three exactly, which is – there's some nice odds on that. Rams by three, bet Bengals plus four and a half and Rams money line. Parlay them all together and, and have a good time. Um, the other angle, camp Vegas is in big trouble if the Rams win.
1: Yes,
0: big they trouble. Are. Big trouble. So we're going to find out real quick if the NFL is rigged. Yeah, we are. I mean – Again, as we've learned, that the amount of money that went on them when Matt Stafford, it was quite crazy. That uh, everyone thought originally when Matt Stafford was there that they were instantly going to be a Super Bowl favorite, and so ton of money, people, ton of people put money on them in the off season. Vegas doesn't like to lose money. No, and like a lot of have, money. So Burke, I mean, we didn't really touch on this beforehand. We should have. But we gotta do a score prediction. Oh, shoot. Um okay. I didn't prep for that at all. Uh I didn't even look up what most Super Bowl scores are. All I know is, is that generally speaking, you're not gonna get a super high what's the over under on this right now? The over under is forty-nine and a half, just to give okay. you an idea. So at four and a half, I can't do the math there quick enough, but So they're they're saying it's gonna be like twenty Twenty eight, twenty four? 24? No, because that's no, still that's, way too much. yeah,
1: that's too much. 720 no? no, yeah,
0: twenty four. Yeah, yeah, something like well, yeah, yeah. twenty seven, twenty two, or probably real. Yeah, it could be like thirty, uh, thirty one, eighteen. No, that that's might... too many for the spread. No, thirty one plus eighteen is forty nine. Oh yeah, I guess yeah, it's, it's too close to the spread. And a half spread. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it, I guess they are thinking it's gonna be a weird score then, eh? Yeah. Kind of seems that way. Uh okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna maintain the Bengals four and a half here. Um and I'll say, yeah, I mean I'll I'll say that the, the Rams win by a field goal, and I'll it's probably gonna go under. So I'm thinking it's gonna be twenty four to, uh, so I'm just thinking here, 14, three. Yeah, I think it's going to be 24, 21. My, my other reaction was 24, 23, because that would be two touchdowns and three McPherson field goals. That, that was kind of my first, my first one was like, ah, 24, 23 Bengals cover. It's, it's under the under, um, you know, Rams to win by three, so that bet would, would not be so good. But that's kind of my gut feel. 24-21, 24-23, something like that. Yeah, I think I'm going to go 27-20 to 20 for the Rams here. I think that uh, McPherson's going to get a couple of field goals. They're going to get a couple of touchdowns. I just think the Rams are going to be the better team here overall. So we'll go 27-20. to 20. Well, I didn't do very well in score prediction last year. I didn't do really good on that game prediction last year. So I full disclosure, I didn't do that. I was like 50% on props. Now I did a a crap ton of props. So, you know, I I ended up, I did way more research this year. I was a little more break. I think it was like break even last year, but then I made a lot of money on the bucks winning. That was, that was, that was nice. That was very nice. We'll see. I'm the new mattress Mac and mattress Mac is betting four and a half million bucks on the Bengals. So he's been wrong twice this year. And he's been right once, so time for him to be Sorry. right again. Yeah. I'm like, that's not good odds. I mean, th- those odds are worse than our picks knew- during the year, so yeah. Well, yeah, he's 33 percent. The bet, like the best sharps in the world, hit at 54 percent, so that's not good. Oh, so we did really good in our picks, then, all things considered. We didn't do horrible. Yeah, the best sharps hit at about fifty-four percent. There's a couple sites that hit it close to sixty percent, but nobody's above sixty really on a regular basis. There's no way they're betting all the games either. I'm sure that's taken into consideration too. Yeah, most aren't. Well, which makes sense if you really want to make money. Yeah don't don't bet them all necessarily. But hey, that's that's the point of being like a degenerate. You gotta you gotta do it. It's more fun. You're more invested. Uh, any uh, any closing thoughts before we sign it off? Uh, next week we're hopefully going to have another uh, another guest on, uh, just to break down the NFL season. Hopefully SGP is going to be with us um, next week. Scheduling uh, permitted, uh, power outage permitted, uh, internet permitted, all, all that all that fun stuff. So um, that's uh, that's kind of the plan. Um, but yeah, anything else you got? No, oh, that's it. I'm just looking forward to a good Super Bowl. Hopefully it's not a blowout either way. Uh, and let's just try and make some money. Let's have fun drink a few beers make some money and watch a good football game. That sounds amazing to me. Uh, as I said earlier you can follow us on Twitter at over six sports at Zach Burke six and at C Charlton turf and for the over six sports podcast I am Zach the Bandit Burke and with me is the Rams fan. No, yeah, I'm not a Rams fan. The Rams fan this weekend, the Turf King Cameron Johnson. Thanks for listening nice to, listen to our 6 Sports, and we will chat with you
1: next week.